Content warning. This episode of Chocolate Jam discusses intimate and partner violence. If this is something that's a problem for you, you might want to turn off probably around the 29 minute mark and just skip ahead about six minutes. I'm Jess. And I'm Mel. And this is Chocolate Chocolate Jam! Jam is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Our theme song is Belgian Waffles by the Underscore Orchestra. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Chocolate Jam Podcast, or shoot us through an email at chocolatejampodcast at gmail.com. Hi, Mel. Hey, Jess. Long time no see. Yes, very long time. A whole three days, two days, two days, two days, two days. days. Yep, two whole days. Trying to reverse math because. Uh, two days ago, it was the best day of the year, Feminist Christmas, Galentine's Day! Everyone loves Galentine's Day. Gotta love it. Love Galentine's Day. Galentine's Day, for those of you who don't know, was invented by the television show Parks and Rec, <laughs> uh, which we are very big fans of here mm-hmm. on Chocolate Jam. Uh, and it is the day before Valentine's Day in which women celebrate the wonderful women in their lives. Yeah. It's like... Best day of the year. Just get together with your with your lady friends and celebrate your uh, yeah the the important ladies in your, in your lady life. life in your lady life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it was good. It was great. So uh, this year, for the first time since we started cel- celebrating Valentine's Day, which was I don't even know many years ago, um, all all five of our little. Posse mm-hmm. was able to get together, which the was squad. The squad, uh, which was absolutely fabulous. Had a great time. Stayed out till like twenty to ten <laughs> voluntarily on a school night because oh, we were just having such a great time. It was um, crazy. Yeah, the bar staff kept coming and like taking our plates and glasses and being like, "Are you guys finished here? Can mm. we take this?" And we were oh, like, God. "Chill, dude. It's Wednesday. It's like it's do Thursday. You, do you not want?" patrons of your place but anyway well to be fair um, we had stopped spending money by that point (laughs) but yeah but it's all good and um we had a great time and everyone had um lots of catching up to do and there was lots of discussion about various things it was fabulous yes lots of you know exciting life events and yeah just a lot of cool stuff very very cool stuff happening so there are many aspects of galentine's day that uh, really amazing and I quite enjoy um, but I think something that was really cool this year and being all together we we have a bit of a tradition of trying to get at each other you know kind of like cute little thoughtful specific gifts and um, yeah everyone was together and we I think we really nailed that part like, we really did the gifts were I thought very good this yeah year. I mean that, I mean not that they're ever not because you know the idea is to be thoughtful rather than um, extravagant. Or yeah, they're not. So they're, they're not always just sweet things. Yeah, they're not elaborate gifts or anything like that. But I think sometimes you know you get the sort of birthday, Christmas stuff. It gets a bit token-ish. Yeah, and I feel like our little Galentine stuff to each other is more about no, I I really thought about this and I got this for you because I think you'll like this and you know there's a bit of like funny and appreciation and And they tend to be a bit more in. kind of themed. It's like um, mm. you know this is specifically themed around friendship or female friendship yep. or feminist um, ideas and you know the, the, the friendship that 
specifically we have, which is a very long, um, Mm -hmm. very, very long and sweet one. Yeah. And I think that that actually makes it easier to get thoughtful gifts because, yeah. I still think the standout was the year that one of our friends just got everyone a key ring with the name of our group chat engraved on it. Yeah. <laughs> I use that. I've, so I've got so all my keys. It's the same. Absolutely. Um, it's great. I always, I can, it helps me pull it out pull of my out bag. Yeah. 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 So that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we give each other on Galentine's yeah. Day and it's, um, it's really sweet. Yeah. And Mel, I loved the gift that you got me this year for Valentine's Day. So Mel bought everyone a mug. I'm so happy about that because I was really proud of myself. I pre-thought, I pre-planned, I like ordered these things online. I I was trolling through and I'm like, oh yeah, Jess is gonna really like that one. And oh, I did. Gonna like this. And I got just and and everyone seemed to love their, their mug. mug. And it just, it made me so happy. It made me so happy. Yes. Tell <laughs> me about your mug, Jess. Mugs, well, <laughs> mugs are such a specific thing. And I, mm. so I have, you know, I take a lot of pride in my house and I have a lot of matching sets of things. So I yeah. have, I have, you know, a, several sets of um, plates and cups and whatever that I have like lots matching all my cutlery matches. I have, you know, I go to, of course it does. I go to a lot of trouble to make sure all my glasses match. The only thing that I don't have as a matching set is mugs because to me a mug is like a very individual thing. And so every mug that I own means something in a different way. So I love, I also love this gift just because I like to have a mug that has a meaning to it. But um, so this mug had the names and pictures of a whole lot of badass ladies who have done historically significant things on it. And um, most of them I'd, you know, heard of, obviously, mm. because I've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a feminist, Mel. No, just a tad. Just, uh, you know, fun, funny that you like this mug. Like, I just, you know. I know, it's so weird. Um, this is what I got to find. Because <laughs> you love badass women. I do, I do. Um, you know, and I consider a bit of a point of pride to know a lot of that history that we, that isn't taught. Um, as mainstream history because, you know, women are some sort of, like, alternative thing that, like, mm. you were, like, you know, only 50% of the population. So what have we possibly contributed? Let's learn about all the things that men did. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, um, you know, some badass women that were on this mug. Ada Lovelace, um, genius uh, from the um, early 19th century who, um, basically invented computer programming, um, Rosa Parks, everybody knows Rosa Parks, the, Mm -hmm. you know, amazing activist who played such a pivotal role in, um, the civil rights movement in the 60s, Malala Yousafzai, who, um, a modern day activist fighting for the rights of women to get an education, which I can't believe we still have to fight for the right of women to get an education, but, you know... We do we still have to, and she's yep. doing such an amazing job of it. Um, Jane Goodall, uh, who revolutionised um, biological science and the way we study animals through her work with gorillas. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is, um, as far as I'm concerned, just like a god. Mel's making a like, power sign there. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm throwing Curie. up gang signs, I don't know why, <laughs> but yeah, she's pretty badass is what she's I'm trying to say. She's super badass. Please, please stay alive. Yeah, we, we love you, RBG. <laughs> Um, Marie Curie, who, uh, discovered radium, um, and her incredible contributions to science at a time science when... Science! STEM! Yes, at a, at, a, at a time when women were very much, um, active but invisible in science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Frida Kahlo, because no piece of feminist propaganda is complete without <laughs> Frida Kahlo, because she is our leader. Um, w- yeah. 
so um, Mexican artist and an all-around badass person. But what I really loved, um, which challenged and surprised me, were there were quite a few women on this month who I'd never heard of before. And, like, Jess is all here like, oh, my God, the the mug has, like, out-feministed me. It, it did, it out-feministed me. And, like, Mel will tell you, I've got the, the names of all those people I just yeah. talked about. I've got no notes yeah. next to their names. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five here. Five mm. women that I do, I'd never heard of, which is yeah. cool. I So, you know, thank you to Mel for teaching me about these really <laughs> remarkable women who I'd never heard of because patriarchy, kiriarchy. A lot of them are um, women of colour, too. Mm. So um, Funny, that. Yeah, I know. Funny how they get less airtime. Amazing. But, yeah. mm-hmm. how we, but I've learned some very, very cool things today, and I think my favourite person on this list is Shirley Chisholm, um, but I'll, I'll get you're to leave, her. You're going to leave her last or later? Um, I think I might leave her to last actually. She's not the last on my list. I just googled them in the order they were in the mug. Yeah. But <laughs> Okay so, so here you got Jess. Tell here me. we go. So the first woman on this mug that I didn't know was Wangari Mathai. Um, she was a Kenyan political activist and she was the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh. Um, nice. She was actually schooled in the USA um, and she was a veterinarian. Um, she, she studied biological and veterinary science before yeah, wow. she became an activist. So, That's awesome. Which is fantastic. Badass woman, um, all about peace, stability, and equal rights. Sally Wright, I can't believe I didn't know this, was the first American woman in space in 1983. And oh, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so she was the third woman in space overall. The first two women in space were um, from the Soviet Union. Um, she's also the first known person to, in space to be an LGBTQI astronaut, although, um... Oh, wow. Uh, she, yeah, and, and I say known because, uh, even Sally Ride was not an out LGBTQI person during her lifetime. It wasn't until, um, after her death that it emerged that, um, her best gal pal who she lived together and with and had, like, launched a bunch of foundations together with was actually her partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just gals being pals. Um, so and so I say no because there may have been astronauts before her who were LGBTQIA but weren't out. But she's yeah. the first known person, so um, which is great. Good for her. Amazing, because there is still not nearly enough equality in space exploration. Absolutely, I mean, and so forth. Yeah, we we had a rant the other day about. Um, women in spacesuits. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did, so, didn't we? Yeah. Know. Gosh, of course. Sally yeah. Ride, fighting the good fight, showing that women are astronauts too. Amazing. Absolutely. Um, Make clothes for them. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's really... Oh, God. Anyway. Continue, Jeff. Continue. Sorry. So, Yuri um, Kochiyama. Now, she's mm. a really interesting woman. So, she's a Japanese-American civil rights activist who fought very hard for the rights of Japanese American people, particularly during the Second World War when um, they were actually interned in concentration camps by the American mm-hmm. government. Yep. Um, and uh, she was also a part of the African American Civil Rights Movement um, as a black separatist. So she's actually a very extreme 
figure. She's she's quite an extremist in her views. So she did a lot of really fantastic stuff, like advocating for the apology for the incarceration of Afri of Japanese American people. She founded the Day of Remembrance Committee um, to make sure that that piece of history is not forgotten um, because it's really important. But she mm -hmm. um, she was also very close with Malcolm X. In fact. When he was assassinated, she yeah. was there and she held him as he died. Oh, good God. Um, and she has expressed admiration for a number of very extreme um, groups because she, so she's got such an interesting blend of um, very reasonable and quite extreme um, views on, on equality. But, mm. yeah, so she's such an interesting one. Um Anna Mae Wong, who I'm going to now go and like do a lot more research on because she seems incredibly cool, mm -hmm. was um, she was an American actress. She was the first Chinese-American Hollywood movie star. Um, she found herself really stereotyped in the type of roles she was offered. She was either kind of the, the mother dragon or she was the demure butterfly um and she didn't like that because why so would you like only have yeah so basically she, was, basically she was like the tiger mum or the geisha like yeah yeah that sort was of... it <laughs> um and weirdly that's wow. kind of still the case a lot of the time although Ooh, yes we you know there are some um asian american actors who are doing much more broad and interesting work i'm sandra oh i'm thinking mm. particularly i'm killing eve amazing mm -hmm. um so she used to move to Europe um, in 1924 to get on uh, to have a greater variety of roles, but did still suffer from racism her entire career. In 1935, she wanted to. She very much campaigned to take the lead role in a film called *The Good Earth*. The um, lead role was a Chinese woman um, called Olen, so would seem like good casting. They cast a mm -hmm. white woman instead. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm like, on the one hand, I'm like, well, it's 1935, but on the other hand, we're still doing that now, Scarlett yeah, Johansson, I'm yeah. looking at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, why do we, like, why do people have to campaign to play a role of a race or ethnicity that they actually are? You know, like, why is that? Well, and, I mean, I get what Scarlett Johansson's saying about how anybody can play any role, and that's the point of being an actor. Sure. But the roles, the scope and availability of roles is so limited for people of colour or trans people um, that if you're taking, if you're a, a cisgendered white person and you're taking one of those mm. roles, you are actually taking it from one of those people because they are not, they don't have access to the full range of roles that you have access to. Yeah. So until they have access to the full range of roles that you have access to, stand aside and, and give those people some space because, you know, representation is and diversity is really important for how we view ourselves as a society. White is still seen as the default because that is what we see hmm. in our culture. So yeah, stop doing it. Um, and it's, yeah, especially like that's just nuts. Um, in 1951, Anna Mae Wong was the first ever uh, starred in the first ever US TV show with an Asian Asian American lead, which was called the Ga Gallery of Madame Lu Sing. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. So now we get to Shirley Chisholm, who's my favorite. Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm was the first Black woman elected to US Congress in 1968. She served seven terms. That's pretty amazing. Yep. By itself, she was also the first black major party candidate to run for president 
and the first woman to run for the Democratic nomination. Interesting, she wasn't the first woman to run for any presidential nominations. The Republicans, uh, there was a woman ran for a Republican nomination first, which is <laughs> surprising. Surprising, yeah. But I don't think the Republican Party of back in the day was the Republican Party of today, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I don't know that much about the Republican Party. I know that I don't like them now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican and oh, well, there we go. freed the slaves. So it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think while I'm sure they had a lot of problematic stuff going on at that time, very, very different to today. Very yeah. Different today. I may, sorry, I'm like segueing here. No, a no, bit, segue, but I may or may, segue. I may or may not have been consuming a lot of American politics at the moment. Because they're currently doing the Democratic primaries. They are doing the Democratic um, primaries. Oh there's my been God. impeachment scandals. And I love... I love international politics. I love watching politics. I love watching politics when it's going to shit. It's even better <laughs> watching like American politics go to shit than Australian politics go to shit. Because when Australian politics goes to shit, I feel like, okay, this is bad for me and my peeps because... I'm Australian, but and so it's it like really oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, but it's like it's like, oh, it's fascinating, but this is not good for us. Whereas, like, I feel like when it happens in America, I'm gonna be like, oh shit, what's gonna happen next? And I'm watching it like a soap opera. Some people watch Days of Our Lives and Home and Away and Neighbors. I watch politics. I love it. It's fantastic. It's the best soap opera around. But anyway, I now digress. Back to Shelley Chisholm. Tell me more, Jess. Um, she sounds really cool. I just... Or did I, I just, like, eclipse the whole thing No, right no, there? you've eclipsed the whole thing right there. It's like, no, no, I will come back to Shelley, Shirley Chisholm, but I just think um, that the stakes are so... I mean, that's probably why you love it. The stakes are so much higher. I know! It's in American politics, because... <laughs> You know, you just, you don't know. Is the giant toddler going to hit the button yeah. and blow up Iran? And are, are there going to be ramifications for the rest of the world? Is this going to start World War Three? Is this going to start nuclear warfare? Is this going to, in fact, be the nuclear apocalypse? Mm. As opposed to the climate apocalypse, which is already happening. But, you know, that's a separate thing. Um, like, what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah, I have now? to say, I, I know, I know, I know. I have to, I probably should premise this because, like, I'm being too childish about it now. But I, <laughs> I, look, no, it fascinates, it, it highly concerns me. Because, as I may or may not mentioned on this podcast, my, you know, my in-laws and my husband are Persian. So, um, well, my husband's Persian background, my, my in-laws were born uh, in Iran. And so they still have, like, relatives there. So, of course... I don't want there to be World War Three. I want the toddler to go away now. I was hoping he would get impeached, but, you know, of course that wasn't going to happen because all the Republicans are backing him because, guess what, it's more important to play partisan politics than to actually do things that are good for, a na for the nation. Wow. I wonder what that sounds like. Oh, what does that sound like? <laughs> oh, where have I heard this before? Coalition? Yeah, it's but anyway, like what happened um, in <laughs> Europe? What's the most or important parts thing? Parts of Europe, anyway. Staying in power. No, yeah. actually, it's not. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. Um, so, you know, uh, it's extremely concerning. But also, like, my God, is it fascinating. It's fascinating oh, to it watch. Is, and yes, part of the high stakes makes it so, like, holy shit, what's going to happen next? Um, but yeah, the, uh, the whole process, um, the whole process of... Not government or that too, but the whole process of how they, you know, pick their 
their candidates and everything in America is so idiotic because, like, there's 20 million <laughs> Democrats running um, and they're all... So they're all fighting it out and shitting on, on each other but being like, yeah, yeah, whoever we get, like, we'll unite. But by the time they get to that point, mm-hmm. they will have all shat on each other mm-hmm. and it just creates the narrative for the Republicans to then shit on them, right? Yep. It doesn't matter which one you go with. And so then it's like, all of a sudden, we stop shitting on each other, and like, now we try and get the presidency. It's so stacked against whoever isn't the incumbent, right? Like, it's so stacked against the challenger to the, uh, mm-hmm. to the presidency. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. Oh, it's not. And I just, if we have any American listeners, um, and you are... Democrats, which I'm assuming you are, if you're still listening to us, because if you were a Republican, oh, yeah, you, would be, shits by you now. wouldn't be listening. No. <laughs> um, please don't, please vote, no matter who gets up. Like, yeah, I, I absolutely understand that you are used to a system where you, um, you only vote for the person who you feel most represents you in your views, and you. Do, but you don't have the privilege of that right now you don't have the privilege to be like well you know i'm a bernie bro so yeah if it's elizabeth warren i won't vote right now fucking any of them yeah yeah, yeah. pete is it Buttigieg or Buttigieg? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. see i have a, a dear friend whose surname is spelled the same way and she pronounces it Buttigieg. so i'm like what anyway pete Buttigieg, elizabeth warren andrew yang who's a dude by the way he's he, my favorite. he's out he's out now oh, but yeah yang well, gang's gone sorry bye, guys andrew yang. i'm sorry i liked you um fucking bernie sanders even I'm loath to say it, Joe Biden, who I think is also out, but, like... No, 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 he's not out. Oh, fuck. No, nah, we haven't gone to South Carolina. Jess, please. Alright? You're not... Yeah. No. I don't like... Yes, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm like, methodically following it. But, yeah. I don't like Joe Biden. I don't like the way he treats women. <laughs> but you know what? It's a fuck ton better than the way Trump treats women. Right now, we don't have the privilege of saying that only the best will do. We have... This is not your choice to, like, get married or not get married. Your choice is not to, like, have this amazing person or not. Your choice is fucking Trump. So anything, any Democratic candidate is better than that. You do not have the privilege of not voting because your favourite person did not get up for the love of God and for the sake of the rest of the fucking world because we all are affected by this, but none of us have the power to impact it. Vote. For whoever the fucking Democratic candidate is, fucking vote for them. Please. I beg you. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, Trump is playing gangster mafia guy in the White House, and it's ridiculous. And I get it. Sanders voters. I get it. In 2016, you got the shits. You should have gotten the nomination. Yeah, and but you're you like, know what? fuck that shit, and you didn't vote for him. And look what happened. And this man. is your fault. It's, look, it's not. I don't, I don't want to. It's not as simple as all that. No, it's not, but... But this is what happens. This is what happens. You get Trump. So we don't want Trump. Literally anyone else. And can I just say, I don't know how closely you've been following it, but the top two that have come out so far um, with delegates uh, in the first two, in the the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary, um, Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders, uh, this is just for anyone from New Year's Eve... That was shitting on me when I said, Buttigieg is my boy. Fucking see what happened now. Okay? You know who you are. Everyone's giving me shit. He's too moderate. He's too this. No, no, no. Wine cave. Ah, fuck off. So, yeah. Um, 
Bridget's my boy. I like him. He speaks like four. He speaks four languages. Four languages. Smarty. Yeah. Anyway. Do you know what, Mel? I don't care. <laughs> He's a fucking adult, and therefore a more suitable president. Yeah. I was saying I like him. I'm, 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 oh, that's great. I'm, a, I'm a Boo Judge fan. Anyway, like I don't yeah, know that much about him. I know he is quite wealthy, and I know he is gay, and I he's don't... not wealthy. He's just got a lot of donors. But okay, cool. So yeah, no, he's not wealthy. He's like the least wealthy of all of them. I don't really um, have feelings about that. I just know that he's a grown up. He's more moderate than some of like he's not as progressive as some of the candidates out there. Yeah. Um, Which normally I would have feelings about, but right now I'm just like fucking get it done, guys. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have yeah, you got you got to unite, but like don't go Bloomberg because like fuck man, like just don't go Bloomberg seriously. Like I mean, if it's versus him versus Trump, yeah, but come on, man, he's just buying ad space, dude. Which I yeah, I, I get you, but again, if he does somehow manage, to oh get yeah, them still fucking yeah, yeah, still way better, him. still way better, don't fucking still care. way better. Anyway, sorry, so back to Shelly Chisholm. So back to Shelly Chisholm. Shelly Chisholm. Shelly Chisholm. Jesus. Shelly Chisholm would say, vote. Um, she would say, fucking vote. Get Absolutely. Out there and vote. So, um, being a black woman, obviously she faced a huge amount of um, disadvantage and racism simply by being who she was. And she fought so hard to be seen as just a candidate, as a, as a candidate with experience mm-hmm. and a lot to offer, which mm-hmm. is exactly what she was. Um, but she suffered a lot of disrespect, not only, um, for being a black person, but, um, also from black men in the party for being a woman, because they felt that they should be leading representation of black people in the political and power, um, arena. So she faced criticism from all fronts and so many people held her up as a symbol, as a symbolic candidate rather than as a genuine candidate and she really suffered from that but um she was a major badass and um she's my favorite person on the mug i think so awesome that's awesome i'm really happy that the mug could uh yeah expand the uh feminist feminist horizons for you (laughs) the feminist the feminist icon horizons um and i think What's really interesting, I'm, you know, I've been sitting here listening to what you're saying and, and what these incredible women have have achieved and have represented in in various parts of society. And we're very much still fighting for a whole bunch of these things. Like, it's not like they've, you know, they're, they're, we, we need to sort of consider these people and consider their work and but that's it and it's done and there's sort of nothing more to do or there's no sense of having to kind of, I guess, pick up the torch and, and, yeah. and keep going. Uh, we, I think a lot of people very much do need to do that. Um, and I think there needs to be, I think that empowerment actually needs to come from men and women. Absolutely. Um, or to, 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 yeah, to yeah, encourage and empower, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because so many of these areas, the representation of, of, of of women and minority people um, of color, yeah, yeah ethnicities that, that we need to increase our repre- representation in public, in <laughs> in yeah. the arts, in science, in all these like all these different areas. Like it, it's it's it, you know the 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 equality of education for for men and women. We don't feel that so much here in Sydney with our 
No, aforementioned off-air conversation about privilege. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We don't feel that here, but there are many places around the world where there is a massive divide uh, in education between men and women. Um, Some of those places, you know, aren't aren't even necessarily like developing countries per se. Um, Well, I mean, in Japan, for example, which is absolutely not a developing country, yeah, is is a very well developed. It's a first world yeah, country. It's absolutely yeah. a first world country. Um, female medical students had their results reduced because they were doing so well, and it, it didn't like it. You know, the the making examiners the, making the boys feel bad. Yeah, exactly. The examiners thought that women shouldn't do as well as men, oh so they God. changed their fucking results. Like, oh what God. is that? You know, and that it's. That is not Japan. I mean, Japan is is quite a patriarchal society. But when you think about places in the world where the women women are the most disadvantaged, Japan is not the first thing that comes to mind because no. it's a very wealthy and quite free society. But shit like that still goes down. Yeah. Um. And you know, I mean, we may have uh, equal access to education here in Australia, which I am so happy about. Um. But patriarchy is still very much a thing. A woman dies every week at the hands of. <laughs> her partner yeah um and every time this comes up somebody says well you know some men and women some men are victims of domestic violence too yes they are but do you know who almost all of the perpetrators in fact 98 percent of the perpetrators of all violent crime are men so absolutely men suffering from domestic violence are often the sons um or stepsons of or men perpetrating siblings or siblings or, or partners of men perpetrating nephews. Yeah. domestic so, violence. So um, men hurt men as well as women. Um, but you know, it's primarily. And I just want to point out because I think the thing sometimes that gets gets lost in the ether because because we know we know people that we know of cases where. Um, you know, men men have been. It, it's not as common, but men have been victims of domestic abuse from women. Absolutely, right? I, I that that happens. That does, um, and I, you know, I've been uh, involved with a friend of mine who, um, whose partner was murdered. Uh, who's not sorry, whose whose dear friend was murdered by his female partner who was abusive. And you know, yeah, so I'm not denying that that happens. Absolutely, not at all. And I mean, I guess, and I, 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 and I don't want to be doing the we've got to do the counter argument. That's not the point that I'm trying to get to. The the point that I'm trying to get to is, I am mindful that this these things can happen the other way, um, though rarer. Uh, but I guess something to keep in mind, or I, I guess why this is such an important thing, or, or maybe the thing that I don't know, maybe isn't ov- as obvious to men is that it's just the, the power differential. Okay, like if if. If a woman is acting erratically uh, towards a man, you know, erratically or aggressively towards a man, it's just not as physically threatening as it would be if a man is acting erratically and aggressively towards a woman. In it's general. just a physiological thing, is as in men are physically bigger, they are physically stronger. For a man to feel physically threatened by a woman is like that's a much longer road. Yep. 
you get there a lot quicker um, as a as a as a um, a woman being you know threatened or intimidated by a man. And because of the power and the the societal and um, power differentiate, like I mean, um, social power differential. Mm. Um, all it takes for a woman to feel threatened by a man she doesn't know is for him to enter her personal space. Yeah, that's it. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's just that the physical presence is. Enough. It, it's enough like it's and it's different so that i mean that's why this is so important it, it's not that it's not about you know women like women can be however they want but men have to treat them right it's not that it's just it's just that it's so it's just so much harder mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just it's just a much easier for a woman to be in a really compromising uh situation yeah, like that. Then it is, and then it is for a man being, Absolutely. being, uh, you know, I guess intimidated by a woman. Like it, it's yeah. So that's why I think that's why that thing is so important as well. Like it's, and that's why there is such emphasis on when we look at domestic violence and domestic abuse, the 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 role a man plays in that. Um, that's why we try to emphasize that so much, so much, and because it's, um, you know, yeah. absolutely this impacts men too, but. It's not a, a person being murdered every week, it's a woman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. being murdered every week by her partner yeah. in Australia. Yeah. There's this um, great novel called The Power uh, by Naomi Alderman, which examines that kind of idea that you were talking about, about that physical power. And so the premise of the novel is just that um, women gain a physical power over men. You know, and so over the course of... Um, a reasonably short period of time, like mm. five or ten years or something, women gain this physical power over men. And it examines the impact that that has on society and what happens. And essentially what Naomi Alderman posits, um, which is a little bit bleak, but I also think a really important point to make is that essentially it ends up just being the same but turned on its head. So you have women being in charge, you have men mm. being re- denied freedoms because, of, you know, in quotes for their safety you have yeah. um this view this this um inversion of the view of roles of men and women in society and so what um what you can extrapolate from that from this kind of if you look at it as a thought experiment is actually the the physical power is what has given men the ability to dominate women it's not anything inherent in masculinity or femininity mm. it's that men have physical power over women as as a general thing yeah yeah obviously not every man is more powerful than every woman yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah of course of course shut up okay we're talking about generalities yes 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 yeah and just bringing it back to that 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 broader point sort of what were we saying that you know just a lot of these a lot of these issues that these women represent in terms of in terms of being an icon and making progress and, and being pioneers in there's just, yeah, still issues around our world. And I guess, yeah, like I said, we don't, we don't feel it as much here necessarily, although we don't do still sort of see it in some areas, but we live in a world today as well. That's so we're, we live in a global society. We are citizens of the earth. If you want to um, <laughs> use those, uh, you know, super lefty terms. But yeah, we we are we are citizens of the world. We have and and how we how we absorb news and current events and everything like it's it's global. It's it's absolutely we, you know, you can talk to somebody on the other side of the world every day. Like it's 
nothing. Like they're a phone call away in another suburb. It's it's and so that means you know we 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 share the news and the joy and the good things of that, but we also have to be acknowledging. We have to acknowledge the you know, the hardships that other people are facing around the world, even if it's not directly impacting us or even if we're not immediately feeling it where we are. Um, but yeah, so cool mug. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a great mug. Thank you so much, Mel. And, um, you know, look how much discussion we got out of a oh, mug. No! I love this. This is great. It's great. So that went to a little bit of a um, dark place and we might put a content warning on the, the start of this episode just to give you a heads up before we before we get there but i'd like to talk about something a bit more uh happy i guess now hearted light um feelings good. of good if you will oh oh okay all right something we're doing good. this something good yeah is this what isn't this what yeah, we're yeah, doing oh we're, no, we're doing this, this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah that's where oh, i'm yeah. going I oh just, yeah you know. yes um so that I mentioned be... earlier Parks and Rec, which is um, the place. <laughs> That's the place I'm yes. going, uh, which is a brainchild of the glorious um, TV producer Mike Schur, who's um, just concluded a TV show that he had control of from start to finish, and it is a work of art and a magnificent piece of television. Mm-hmm. It is the Good Place. It's a delightful. Delightful little jaunt. Yes. We've talked about The Good Place here before, um, but it's just finished. It's a fourth and final season um, concluded a couple weeks ago. We might need to put a spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. We will be spoiling the shit out of this. So if you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Stop listening to this. Press pause. Go and binge all four seasons of The Good Place if you haven't watched it yet. Because it's so good. Watch it. Watch it. Um... And, uh, and then come back and listen because... Yeah, and you can rejoin us in the discussion, see how you feel, do you agree with the things that we say, do you have another point of view, please let us know. Let us know um, at Chocolate Jam Podcast. Um, because we... I This show... Oh my god, Mel, this show. It's a wonderful show. I think... I mean, do we want to... Are we going to get into, like, how it ended? Or... Yeah, well, let's, let's do a really quick recap. So, yeah. um... The the premise of the show for anyone who hasn't watched it and is still listening to this, I don't know. You're like, okay, fine. Yep. Um, is that uh, these four humans die, um, go to a place that they think is the good place. Oh snap! Turns out it's not the good place. It's the bad place, and they're being tortured in a new and innovative way. Um, yeah. So make- it's 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 essentially a, a tale of the afterlife. It's an imagining of the afterlife. So the good place being heaven, you know, the bad place being hell. Yeah. Um, and there's some sort of in between places that could you know s- could slot in as like a poo tree. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so it's so, very much they they think yeah they they get told they're they're in the good place but it's actually sort of a um, crafty experiment by the people that run the bad the bad place. Torture um, them in a new and yeah. Way. Um and the show is about their journey to um to reach the good place but mm. on, along the way they learn and grow and and become much better humans because um they ranged from pretty shit to. Well, they weren't they weren't great humans to start with. I mean, they they oh, all look, had their good I think points, I but... think they you know I think they were definitely they were flawed characters, <laughs> um, some more obviously than others, and yeah, but but it's about sort of how they kind of learn and yeah how they learn, how and, they grow learn and grow and, and become better people and 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 look at the whole afterlife 
process and mm. is it really fair? Yeah, fair. Yeah. There's a lot of philosophical kind of things that come into is it, it as well. Is it fair to judge someone's life on earth? All of those things. Um, and anyway, in the, the very final episode, so they have made it to the good place. Um, they've solved the final problem of the good place, which is that if you have goodness that just goes on forever, then it becomes meaningless. Um, mm. So that essentially the meaning of life is that it does end and yeah. so and this um, and this whole concept of and which you know what i think is really interesting within all of that um or should i maybe reserve these comments for later i don't know we're sort of still you've started things. oh no just like that whole thing of that 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 whole conundrum of of when they do reach the you know the good place and then it's like well what what even is this really like mm. for for the rest of existence like what does that mean um or what do we do with this <laughs> It's, I guess it kind of taps into that whole concept of, well, like hardships and pain and challenges in life or afterlife are what, are are what help us grow and -hmm. change and learn and develop. And when put in a context where they, there are no longer those things. We stagnate. Yes. And that's pretty much at the crux of what that issue was, you know, the, the final thing that they resolve with the good place is that everyone's stagnated so how do we make this be the truly be a good place place. yeah so the the very final episode um dealt and i have to say because they solved that issue in the second last episode and i was kind of going like where do we go from here because the second last episode ended with the two main characters or two of the main characters eleanor and chitty you know, curled up on a couch watching a beautiful sunset. Mm. And I'm like, well, where do we go from there? Like, mm. there's only one episode left. We can't start a new story, but, like, this story seems kind of finished. Um, and the very last episode uh, followed the five, six main protagonists through their... Uh, through their time in The Good Place and about how they contributed to... The lives of others, how what happened with the people who were meaningful to them during their lives, and about how they each reached the place where they were ready to to let go mm. and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so beautiful. It was um, just a perfect ending to what was one of the most perfect TV shows I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just, you know, and as much as I, I didn't want them to end it after four seasons because I love it so much, but I'm so glad they did. Because... Yeah, I'd rather four quality seasons than going for like eight seasons and it just turns into a bin fire. Yeah, um, and you know what? They did not have a bad season. Every single no, one of those four seasons no. was great. And it, and it very much, like, it all kind of flowed on from each other, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, it was very, it was very, that's, uh, and I really like it when TV shows do that um, and it just shows how well well thought out it was, mm. where there really is this kind of continuous um, arc. Yeah. Yeah, the story arc. Yeah, this continuous story arc, um, but also just this continuous flow. Like, there wasn't... We didn't sort of meander off into anything too, ra- like, too random or irrelevant. And, and um, yeah, it, it all had its purpose and Mm. there was distinct growth and change from season to season um yeah and 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 just yeah it's all it it, a lot of really good continuity and it yeah ties all ties up well together so well um it's funny there's a few 
adjectives that you used there that I don't know that I quite agree with because I really liked it and I think it ended really well. And I think sometimes as well, it's you know, it is legitimately difficult to end a show. Yes, Game of um, Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Lost. Lol. Um, yeah, so, yeah, those are classic examples of how difficult it can be to end a show. And I'm sometimes the, show. the more epic it is, the more difficult Game of Thrones. Um, and sometimes you can end a show so badly that it ruins all of the rest of the show. Oh, yes. Lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that would be, that would be an, uh, an example of a, <laughs> of a TV show that meandered a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I, I think it's genuinely really difficult, really difficult to end a show in a way that's truly satisfying and yeah, it's just generally hard. Um, Absolutely. because and, and particularly a show about the afterlife. So it's just like, well, where, do you, where does it end? Just stop. <laughs> um, and, and, they did, and they did very much give it a finality. Oh, yeah. Um, and there were a lot of things that I really, 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 really liked about it. But I don't... I don't feel like it was... Not that it was perfect in the sense... I don't feel like it was perfect. I don't... By that I mean, I don't know what else I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and broadly, I think it was really, really good. And it's not, yeah, it's not that yeah. it, it, it's not, when I say I don't think it was perfect, I just mean there were things that I felt, uh, about. There were a couple of things I felt, mm, about. No, that's fair. And there was lots of stuff I really liked. I don't know if. Yeah, it's interesting because it's sort of it, it. Being someone with a general spiritual background, um, and having sort of like a you know I guess a belief in heaven and hell uh, to some extent, um, I, I while I really like the whole concept of, like I said, I, I just kind of really liked the analogy or the messages in there within there about well, life. You know, without with that that whole that whole <laughs> now I'm lost for words. Um, there's a word I'm looking for and I can't find it. Uh, that conundrum of the we've achieved, you know, the 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 ideal afterlife. We've gotten to the good place. Oh, but it's like, is it as good as we thought? Um, conceptually, like a heaven or a good place is about you've achieved a place where you are at you are at peace and contentment and that's, that's, it is that. So, so while I liked that it, that it raised that issue of like, well, actually, you know, you can draw that thing of, you can draw that conclusion of we need challenge to grow and develop and appreciate. Mm -hmm. I was sort of like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I felt challenged by the, it not being the, the end game and it had to, and it had to end to be satisfying. One thing, there's one thing, but having said that, that, but that didn't, that didn't ruin it for me though. I, I could still, that's fine and I could still see that and it's perfect. I could still have that ending and it's perfect. Um, that was something that was a bit of a, that I found a bit, hmm, okay, like just enjoy it. But yeah, um, <laughs> but, um. The other, there was a couple of things that I was just like, Ugh. one, and it was about Eleanor and Chidi, primarily. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, so one, I, and this comes down to, look, they're very different personalities, but I just feel like I found that really difficult when, like, Chidi, because it, the whole thing is the way they resolve the conundrum of the good place is that they go, well, it needs to be able to end. Like, we need to be able to just end and finish. When we're ready, we just complete and we walk through this archway and, and that's it. We're back we, into the we ether, basically. Into the ether, yeah. yeah. Um, and just, I don't know, like, the fact... I, 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 I struggle to reconcile this notion of I'm ready, I'm complete, and I have this person that I love... And I'm ready to leave them. Like I that I I I feel conflicted as to how that all comes together. Like because you know what happens is Chidi's like I'm ready. You know I'm ready. I'm ready to move through. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. And it's essentially him moving on and leaving Eleanor behind. Um, and that to me, like what I drew from that. And and it's partic- and I I found it particularly brutal that, you know, Eleanor's always been the lone wolf. She's always had to look after herself. She's never been able to fully trust anyone. Like that was her that was her upbringing and her life on Earth, and um, and that was just sort of a bit of a remnant of that. Like, and here she is, sort of yet again. Well, now someone you know he's ready to move on, and she's kind of on her own so that and and with that I and and then she was very and you know and he's very much well I'll you know I'll stay and when we're both ready we go and then like and then you know she's like no I you know you can't just stay like you've got to go through and she makes that that sort of sacrifice for him um and I just that just makes me think like she 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 loved him more than he loved her or she would like yeah and it, I, I don't know and it, it, it sort of colored a bit it, it colored a, my perspective a bit on what their relationship was or the dynamic of their relationship where it was very much like Eleanor having to drive it not Eleanor having to drive it but this ultimate sort of if and, you know you don't want to quantify love but this whole thing of like yeah she the person who is kissed and the person who kisses yeah so I, that's so interesting because I had a very different take on that, which is that from a story perspective, not as much from a character perspective, but from a story perspective, that Chidi's decision to move on was actually about Eleanor's story. And because Eleanor has always struggled with um, self-interest and selfishness, and not to mm. say that it's selfish to want to be with the person you love by any means, but... Um, that was Eleanor's final growth. That was Eleanor's final lesson was to learn to put other people's needs above her own. And I, I absolutely see what you're saying about how mm. it felt like Chitty, you know, um, Eleanor loved Chitty more than Chitty loved Eleanor. And I, I, mm. I can see where that comes in but I also I feel like from a, a story perspective yeah. this was 
Eleanor's final growth. And if you were going to pick just one protagonist as a good place, I really think that it has six protagonists, but if, if you yeah. were going to pick one main one, it would be Eleanor. Yeah, sure. So the show then has to be the most about Eleanor's growth. Yeah, it starts it starts with her coming into it, and it's got to end with her going, going out, out of it. it. Yeah. No, and, no, I get that. Um, I also found what you were saying about... Um, about kind of the, the moving on. Really, really interesting because I am, you know, and we've talked about this before, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't have um, a framework for a spiritual. I'm not an atheist, but I'm, I'm agnostic. Mm. And for me, one of the reasons that I've never really quite been able to gel with um, some of the religious frameworks that I've encountered is that the idea of infinity terrifies me. I find the concept of an infinite existence utterly, well, yeah, terrifying. I can't conceive of a way that works. And I mm. think that the reason is because we're human. And yep. to be human... It's a human understanding. We have a human understanding. And to be human is to grow and to change mm. and to learn. Yeah, infiniteness is not human. <laughs> like, it's not... Well, and yeah. that's the thing. So if you are... A being who is able to be content in an infinite setting, like the judge, for example, mm. um, are you human? Are you essentially still human if you have reached that point where you can find contentment in an infinite space? And if you are not still human, are you still you? And if you are not still you, what are you and who are you? Hmm quite the existential debate isn't it well I th that's what not debate but yeah like yeah. that's what the show yeah. is about yeah, yeah yeah so for me I really loved the way it dealt with that because that is actually something that I've always struggled with because I'm not that's an atheist yeah and that's the thing it's like if it, and, and but yeah it, it begs the question and I, and I don't think there's a simple answer to that because the idea is if, if, if a person has passed and then their their essence or their soul or whatever has moved on to something else like an afterlife well well are, are they are they still human in the context that we know and understand like yeah. maybe they are and maybe they're not and what is human and what yeah. <laughs> what is human what is human and to what extent oh does it's gonna like turn into my like first year philosophy class like like how do we know black is black <laughs> oh um yeah yeah, so it's very... Um, because black is something that we've all agreed on, Mel. That's how we know that it's black. Because we've all agreed that that's black. Well, that's one theory. But yes. <laughs> yes. Um, um, so how... So any, can we be not human and still be ourselves? Can we be ourselves and be infinite beings? And I don't... Yeah. I don't know that we can. Yeah. And if we're not ourselves... What are we? Is that not in itself a type of ending? Mm. Have yeah, we it's the, not ending, ended it's the ending. It's the ending of us as we know it. Yeah. But so I can, I can conceive of go on existence where you don't have a physical body, yeah. existence where you know, no, and the rules I, are very different. Yeah. But but I can't conceive of of existence. Yeah. As essentially me. Where yeah, it's and, and infinity it's, and it's could like, possibly be a good thing. That's the thing. That's the goal. That that's like the goal. You know, the goal of endless. Endless existence is not necessarily what we want or slash need. No. Like, and that's, and that's, I, I'm saying, I actually like that. I found that really interesting. Like, it's mm. a bit like, in another way, it's like, but, you know, I, I always 
perceived of this as being like, well, you're 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 at peace and you're at rest, and those things don't matter anymore. But because the the it's the struggle of life is gone, the struggles of mm. existence are not there anymore. It's it's a it's a paradise, if you will. But yeah, but I mean that's but it's still very interesting, and I like that. But more yeah, like I said, the thing of I just I felt yeah I know that that was. And I get, and I got all of that, like that. That mm-hmm. was her, you know, her la- her ultimate, like her last point of growth. And yeah, and I, and I think that that symbiosis of the, you know, she she came. It started with Eleanor. She came in when she came in to the afterlife, and and it finishes with her mm. leaving the afterlife. Um, but I just, but I found that hard, and I found I, it just, and it it just, I think what it is is that it just made it difficult for me. To view them as like this, oh, they're like the, you know, oh, they're such a sweet couple and a perfect couple and the perfect couple. I just, that, I, I, I found that hard. And uh, maybe it's because I over-identified it or not. I don't know. <laughs> I but, mean, they were, they were together for, yeah. I mean, no, I get time it. Like, is measured in Jeremy Barrymore, which yeah. is very different. But I, I get the impression they were together for like millions of years. Yeah, the whole lot of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he didn't just be like, oh, yeah, cool. I want to go now. Yeah, I get that. Um... Yeah, I just, I just, and then the concept of like that thing of well, when you're ready to like, it's so when you're ready to go, it's like the you've completed, you've reached complete, like yeah, and then it's like well, if that's like your, how can you be complete without that part, that person? But then this could be just getting into like how I perceive <laughs> life and like getting a bit of a psychological insight into how I work. Um, so that was so that was one thing. Okay. The other thing was so the idea was they move through the you know, they move through the arch and they move beyond when they felt ready and mm-hmm. when it was right. And I just didn't believe that Eleanor was as ready as the others. No. I just like and and what we, and so and so for example like what I thought was amazing that was was like Jason. Like Jason has been the first one to go, you know what? I'm done. Like I'm complete. Like this is good. Yeah. Um which makes perfect sense because Jason was always the most, the, the least complex. <laughs> yeah, in, and not the, in the, the sense most, that... the closest to contentment. <laughs> he just needed the. No, you know, not in the sense that he wasn't a complex character, but in the sense that he wasn't a complex human. Yeah. Um, and you know, so it made, of course, he was going to be the the sure. person to go first. But I just thought it was kind of sweet, and there were, and and that moment of like they were kind of all suddenly looking to him. To understand what this yes. thing was, I when know, usually he's, so he's like, you know, he's looking whatever, at every, man. literally yeah. everybody he and just everything else. Going on. Um, loved, yeah. So I love that. Loved Tahani. Loved Tahani's story. Loved Tahani's storyline. I thought it was so fantastic. Beautiful. It was so perfect for Tahani to, from having lived a life of. Um, going through the motions of helping other people. I mean, she did genuinely help other people, but doing it for the wrong reasons to yeah. devoting her eternity to 
helping people for the right reasons. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. And I love that all her things, like, you know, and she was thinking, you know, when she thought she was, like, nearing that completion, it was that, you know, she was like, oh, I know how to do this. It was, like, her, like, sort of amassing all these skills. It wasn't about being this or being that, but it was about, like, just knowing and creating and, like, learning yeah, and all that kind of stuff. a chair that Nick Offerman deemed to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then that sort of really transferred in really well into her actually, well, no, what, like, what if I can become an architect? Like, what if I can continue? I don't, I don't feel finished. Like, I don't want to finish. I want to continue on in this manner. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was really, like, that was really great. And, and as much as I was like, oh, Chidi, like, how are you going to do that to Eleanor? Like, I believed him feeling complete. Yeah. And, and wanting to move on. And I just feel like Eleanor was just kind of, well, I guess i got to make this happen, because what else do I do, sort of thing. It was like, and she was kind of always just, she was trying to, whereas the other ones just were like, alright, I, I feel I've this one day. Place, I've, yeah. I've just reached that point, I feel it, I've let myself feel it. She was like, what do I got to do to be complete? I, di- I just didn't feel it. Like, I just didn't feel it. I, I it, it really, to me felt like well I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I guess it's time now rather than her truly being like I think Eleanor had to work a lot harder at being ready to move on than the others did and I think that Mm. that's very true to Eleanor's character because she was never going to naturally arrive at a place where she was ready to move on for me the way I read the ending was that she'd found a way that moving on could continue her work of helping people because Eleanor has essentially saved all of humanity mm, yeah. through this show, through the arc of this show. And mm. so she found one last way that she could yeah. contribute and that was by sending some of her, you know, little sparks of her essential goodness yeah, into, essence, yeah. into humans. Mm. Um, and I... I thought that that was the only way she was ever going to be able to reach that point of being ready to move on was by mm. finding a way that moving on would continue her work. Yeah. Um, because Eleanor was never going to reach that place the way the others did. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And you know what I was thinking as well? I really feel like you're the uh, Tahani to my Eleanor. Oh, so should I have a bucket list that includes uh, like, problematically sexually objectifying you? Well, I probably do do that. Ah, it's alright. It's, hey, there's nothing problematic about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, because it's consensual and respectful. Yes. Yay. Um, but yeah, no, that like that whole, you know, I feel like I'm a bit rougher around the edges and I'm like, what a man, I'm a bit more selfishly motivated. And then like, <laughs> and then like, you, you know, you're like fancy and... And, um, you know, you know how to do things and all, you know, you've got that Tahani, like, not the, like, she's full of herself vibe, not the name dropping part, but like the, you know, the, which I love, by the way. Um, but (laughs) I I, I do do a bit, Um, but the whole, (laughs) but yeah, you know, like the whole, like, you know, party, organize, get people together, design, like, you know, you've got like those, and then you're like, you're fancy and she's fancy and. Um, I'm tall. I'm dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not as I'm fair deeply as, insecure. I'm not as fair as Eleanor, but um, and I like to think I've got a bit bit of fashion sense of her. But, um, but you yeah. are a legit snack. So yeah, know. I am a snack, and I do say man and dude a lot. And, she does. And um, <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I'd be if I was in you know the good or bad place, I'd be you know be fork this and fork that, so I'd be forking all over the place. See, fun, um, fun story. My boss and I do say fork. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know, I, I, and I'm a bit like. I, mean, I don't know. I just yeah. I, I see things about Eleanor. And I'm like I'm not as I'm not as lone wolf as her. Um, but I like some of the things that she's insecure about. I get insecure. Like I I, I see a lot of her. Um, but I think I'm then good to have in an ensemble when I'm in crisis. And yes. Yeah. So yeah, all of those so things. um yeah. But it's just and I, yeah. It's damn it. I was I was watching them. I'm like oh, like me and Jen. <laughs> so yeah. So Aww. there you go. That's honey to my Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, um, the moral of that story is if you haven't seen The Good Place, well, firstly, we've spoiled the fuck out of it for you, but sure. secondly, um, what are you doing? Watch it. It's so good. And I cannot wait to see what Mike Show does next. Mm-hmm.